It's like, oh, do you know that song? It's like a 50s song, I think, or a 60s song, but it's like in this island. Should I keep doing it or? Does that count as cultural appropriation when you're singing it from a movie? It is. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm still a racist. Child is an Idiot, the podcast where we revisit things from your childhood and see if they're any good. My name is DJ. I'm Damon. What's up, Damon? Well done. Uh, hey, I, hey, buddy. Yeah. Proud of you for that thank one. You, that thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today. I'm trying to be more assertive. And, uh, <laughs> Damon! Really, Damon! Today we're completing our volcano-related trilogy that we just made up mm-hmm. by watching 1990s Tom Hanks's Meg Ryan's Joe versus the volcano. A uh, little correction there. It's Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan and Meg Ryan and Meg Ryan. She plays three characters? What is this? Oh, yeah. The clumps? She plays all of the clumps. Wait, does she really? She doesn't really No, yeah, okay. she really plays three characters. She does? Yeah. Really? This is back when we were still charmed by Meg Ryan, so it's This fun. is, to me... Before she became, like, some sort of CGI, Andy Circus as Meg Ryan type creature. Oh, now. Uh, I think she's a, a living treasure, but her face is becoming more and more, let's say, stylized every day. Shaped. <laughs> uh, it's a really a deconstruction of the human face is what I'm going for here. That was her plastic surgeon talking. I think for heterosexual men of my era, of and my ilk. age and ilk, uh, this would differ from person to person, but this is peak Meg Ryan attractiveness to me, this movie. Oh, yeah. She's very uh, cute. I did not remember that she's more than one character, though. Oh, have you seen this movie before? It's been since probably I was little. This is one of my brother's favorite movies. Okay. It was also covered in our our dear, I was going to say friend, we've never met this man before in our life, but Nathan Rabin did it, this movie in uh, his 100 Years of or, uh, World of Flops column that he did for the AV Club ages ago. Is it a ago. flop? Oh, yeah, it failed. Oh. Spectacularly. Really? Yeah. I always thought this was just like a one of those like a movie that came out. You know no, what I mean? No. Failure. Huh. huh. Loser. Do you I don't remember anything about this movie, probably because I've seen it so so long ago. I know that Meg Ryan's cute in this. I know that mm-hmm. Tom Hanks is in it at like What about Meg Ryan and Meg Ryan in comparison to Meg Ryan being cute? Now that I'm gonna have to come back to you uh <laughs> after the after we watch it on. Good. I want you to keep it in mind. Put a pin in it. So this is post the burbs, right? This uh, is pre- I believe so. Is it post big? Because this is 1990. I think this is pre uh, his dramatic right, turn right. in Philadelphia right. and Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie, uh, my brother loves it more than I think I do, but I do like it, and it has possibly my favorite depiction of an office, um, which is in the first act. You'll see it when Meg Ryan won. Uh, plays a receptionist in uh, Tom Hanks's office, and you hear, uh, you know what? I'm not going to spoil it. 
I think okay. you'll enjoy it, but it's okay. a great depiction of what it's like to be in an office and how you just want to kill yourself <laughs> every moment of the day. So does he go on like some, uh, is there going to be some uncomfortable island based racism? No, this? what they, this movie does a very clever sidestep in its island based racism. Okay. In that, uh, the island in question that has the volcano, uh, was populated by a ship, a cruise ship that went uh. down that had a bunch of Jewish cruisers. So, uh, Nathan Lane and Abe Vigoda play the Islanders who are all, uh, very New York, uh, style Jewish people. <laughs> uh, it works. Uh, they do, and they all love orange soda. That's another thing that they love. What? It's very, it's a very smart way so to get, a, get out from their uh, sort of, oh, you're just going to have a bunch of racist so characters they, as Islanders. They did two things. Now, I'll have to comment more on this after we see it, but it sounds like they did two things that movie producers love, which is avoiding racism uh, direct overt racism mm-hmm. but also hiring white people instead of people of color hollywood loves that <laughs> um okay we have anything do you have any like memories other because your did your brother watch this a lot or uh yes it's also my first mem- uh memory in a movie where i noticed symbolism in a movie uh that wasn't like being like someone was like did you notice this yeah um there is a a symbol in the movie of his office that he works for that keeps showing up at different intervals throughout the movie. Um, And I was like, Hey, they think they did that on purpose. (laughs) Um, It also has the triumvirate of old man actors. And by triumvirate, I don't think that's what I mean because it's more than three. (laughs) I also don't obviously don't know how to pronounce the word triumvirate. It's a hard word. There's a lot of letters in it. Yeah. A lot of vowel combinations and consonant combinations. You got a working a V and an R and it looks coming at you. <laughs> They're just coming at you. Uh, this is why we should be a video podcast. Because <laughs> you'd miss my weird jack off motions yeah. when talking about pronouncing words. Yeah. But you've got Lloyd Bridges. Oh, yeah. You've got Abe Vagoda. You've yes. got a pre birdcage Nathan Lane. Mm-hmm. You've got Robert Stack. Oh. Yeah. Dark Horse. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. You've got Dan Hydea. Mm. You'll know him when you okay. see him. Right. Um, it's a real... Uh, old white man. Fest. Old white man. Bring him in. What do you got? <laughs> one more in there? Bring him. Bring him. You're like, Shatner? No, thanks. We're full up here, yeah. actually. But bring Lloyd Bridges. When this... Uh, I guess it would have been shortly after, because I'm remembering this around like fourth grade, fifth grade. Um there was a girl in my class who I thought at the time also looked like Meg Ryan, so I had like a crush on her. Her name was Courtney something. Meg Ryan is what I heard. Her name was Courtney. I'm not going to say her last name, not because I want to protect her privacy, but because I do not remember it. You're a real honorable man. Yeah. Um, so that I also is a, conne- a very loose connection to this movie. And That's I'm out your of connection? I'm out of things. <laughs> Courtney, last name withheld, she reminded you of an actress in the movie, but not necessarily her performance in this movie just that she looks like a lady in the movie a little bit of trivia tommy lee jones not in this movie (laughs) another thing i do uh have you ever had this moment this is one of those movies where i realized that it's written by a person who made other movies i really love i didn't know at the time but the guy who wrote and directed this movie he also wrote moonstruck he also wrote 
the later movie Doubt, or the play, and then Whoa. movie Doubt, which are two movies I loved independently and then found out that he wrote this movie after the fact. And I was like, I guess I like John Patrick Shanley then. Hmm. Case fucking closed. Those two things don't... They're very different ideas. They are. Hmm. I think what John Patrick Shanley likes... Aside from Joe versus the volcano, I think he likes very cloistered communities. You got nuns mm, over here. Yeah. You've got Italian Americans in Brooklyn over here. You've got white guys with nebulous psychological problems right there <laughs> in Joe versus the volcano. Uh, and in the vein of the Islanders, where you don't have to cast a bunch of people of color, you get yeah. to cast a bunch of white guys. You also don't cast Favorite. any women oh, but yeah. one. Yeah. Hmm. She can handle it all. I'm sure she got triple scale. I'm sure. Knowing Hollywood, I'm sure she did. I'm sure it all went fine. She experienced no uncomfortable situations at all. And she definitely didn't feel the need, any pressure to change her face to remain looking young. Mm. Sorry, world. Watch along with us uh, as of February uh, 2018. It's on Amazon um, Prime. Mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. It's a different. Amazon Prime. It's the French version. All right. We'll be right back. Bye. If you were to offer up anything to a volcano god. Yeah. To keep it from volcanoing doing that thing that volcanoes do mm-hmm. any volcanologist would tell you that it is volcanoing do you have any recommendations uh well one i would offer up any virgin in the vicinity right just push them towards just the, hey coming at you kevin come here i gotta tell you something <laughs> You know what else? I would throw in a virgin, as I previously said, just one second ago, based on your editing. Um, I would also probably, you know, do a lot of bowing. Uh If that didn't Mm -hmm. work, you know, oh, sorry. I would also offer up thoughts and prayers. Of course, obviously. That does a lot. Simple, safe, effective. (laughs) And finally, I would... Donate to our Patreon page. Your inner child is an idiot. Patreon.com. Nope. Switch it. <laughs> Patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Yeah. You, if you just make a donation in the volcano's name, boom. Which in this case would be Wapani Wu or Dante's Peak or Mount Wilshire. What the fuck was in that piece of shit? Volcano? I think it was Mount yeah, Wilshire. Yeah, Mount Wilshire. But even if you're not a volcano, a you can do it. Go to, shit go, to your go to your inner child is an idiot dot com or patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. It's the same page. And Ooh, uh, wink. Become a member. Just do it. Just fucking do it. It's fucking simple. The volcano gods urge you. And now back to the show. Jesus Christ. watched joe v 
Volcano, my favorite Supreme Court case. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're still alive. We made it back. What do you think, Damon? You want to do a recap or do you want me to? Yeah. Um, this is the story of Joe, a perpetually sick man uh, who works at a factory Sickman. that makes... Factory that makes anal probes. He works in making, uh, sending out the catalogs mm-hmm. to medical supply companies. Um, he is perpetually sick. He sees a doctor who uh, diagnoses him with a brain cloud, which is a disease that has no symptoms, no pain involved, but he will die in six months. Uh, but uh, and uh, the following day, he is met by a uh, very um, eccentric billionaire. Uh, who could describe every character in this <laughs> film? Uh, an eccentric billionaire who wants him to jump into a volcano, mm-hmm. uh, knowing about his uh, chronic illness, his death sentence. What's the word? I'm looking terminal. For? Thank you. Hearing about his terminal illness, he knows the, that uh, Joe could do some nice uh, pro-capitalist. Yep. Suiciding for him by jumping mm-hmm. into a volcano uh, to appease the people of Wapani Wu, a small uh, Pacific Island volca- uh, volcano and island, um, and allow him to uh, mine for a some rare some rare thing. mineral, mm, fucking what have you, unobtainium, unobtainium, vibranium. Um, Joe decides to do it. Travels to the South Pacific on a boat uh, run by. Uh, adorable Meg Ryan. Mm-hmm. Ship goes down, rescues Meg Ryan, lands on Wapani Wu. They've fallen in love by that point. They jump into the volcano. The volcano spits them out. The island sinks into the sea, and they go off to their uh, happily ever after. Did I miss anything important? Didn't think so. Well, uh, next. They, go, they float off to their happily ever after on the luggage. The luggage. The very luggage. That was there the first time. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. Um, JVV. First and foremost, thing we first thing we got to address this this movie begins with Tom Hanks in full Robert Langdon hair regalia, business mullet Hanks. Yeah, if you have all the Hanks action figures, that's the rare one. That's the yeah. one going for fifty five bucks on uh-huh. eBay now. They only made they made one run where the the like it was slightly browner and then they did a different run Wrong. where the, the hair was a little yeah. darker and that original run is very rare, Ooh. very difficult to find. Sometimes those will go up to, you know, $1000 a piece for those pieces. You could send your kid to college for 5 minutes. With <laughs> uh it's, he goes to work at a very post-apocalyptic seeming uh workplace, this anal probes company. Um, they're not an anal probes company, but that's like their number one product. Um, they also make petroleum jelly, presumably yes. to help Aid assist the, those yes. anal probes. Uh, it's very, and then there's lots of symbolism, uh, with that, but also in the logo of the company, which is like kind of a lightning bolt, uh, shape, which is, uh, appears, this is the symbol you were talking about in the beginning of the show. Uh, it's in the logo of the company. It's also in the path to get to work as he steps in puddles several, mm-hmm. several times on the way there. Of course he does. Um, There's a crack in there, his uh, drywall yeah. that looks like this. The lightning bolt that hits the ship that he's traveling on is shaped like this. Yeah. The road up the volcano up the is volcano. shaped like this. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly also the 
road to uh, the road in Los Angeles is also shaped like this. Oh, really? According to IMDb, but IMDb also said that this movie is a lot like Wizard of Oz because three characters are played by <laughs> Meryl Streep, and there are also three characters in Wizard of Oz. Okay. Except for if you don't count Toto. If you don't count all of the characters, but right. three. Um, we do get uh, a really cool version of 16 Tons. Uh, as you mentioned, I hadn't really thought about it. It's a very depressing song, and it makes sense. It's I was surprised a- that you only just now realized it was a depressing song. I have learned that song, but only the guitar part. Like, and not this cool version, just the original. And I just never thought about it. Didn't really have to sing it. That's I don't know what it is. amazing to me. Because <laughs> even as a kid, even it's a fun song for kids. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I... I liked it as a kid, but even as a kid, I was like, oh my God, these are the best tears of my life because Tennessee Ernie Ford is laying it down. He is spilling the tea right now and just saying, you, you'll wish you've died early if, if you ever get to adulthood. Uh, this version is by Eric Burden, which we looked up because it's, it's Who is that? Is that I a no person idea. I should know? No, I don't know. I'm just, always scared when I see names like that where I'm like, uh, where I'll be like around a bunch of hip people. And I'm like, who's Eric Burden? That's the name I've never heard of. And then be like, ah, uh, he was like the fifth guitarist for Rush. So how do you not know that? One thing that I've, because uh, I used to be that way, I, I've embraced my ignorance as I get older because I've noticed that in other people, if they're like, I don't know who that is, I'm like, Okay, it's this person. I don't mm-hmm. get mad at them anymore, which I probably used to do as well. But like now, I'm just like, oh, it's this guy, and so now I just just embrace it. Just go. I like, think I'm I scared that, that everyone on Earth is like me, where uh, you know they'll be like, "Who's that short lady?" I'm be like, "It's fucking Linda Hunt." You should know that she won an Oscar twenty seven like, years ago. I have asked you who so many people are on this podcast, I and mean, you've never been that mean to me. <laughs> Not out loud. <laughs> That's true. In your head, you're like, fuck you. Uh, bad news. Everyone is actually worse than you. So whatever you're imagining, <laughs> their inner reaction is way worse. Um, this We get, go immediately to, I'm going to let you take it from here, but we go to your favorite phrase of like just a corporate work environment. So he walks into his office and his boss is on the phone, his manager. Uh, Mr. Watori, um, played by character actor Dan Hidea. He's one of those people that oh, you probably Dan don't okay. you don't recognize him, but the minute you see him, Who's you're that? like, oh, yeah, he's been in every movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, this one is actually, I'm going to give a shout out to Janelle right he now. He shares dad in uh, Clueless. He is shares dad That's in the, Clueless. That's like, the first thing he I ever He played Nixon and Dick. Um, he was the lawyer in The Addams Family, the first right. Addams Family movie. Um He's been in everything. Yeah. He was in the Stranger with Candy movie as mm. uh, Jerry Blank's dad. Um, he's been in everything. He's great. He is great. I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Janelle, a uh, friend from college. She and I bonded you got faded. over the. <laughs> we she and I bonded over this movie, this scene particularly, because uh, when uh, Tom Hanks enters his office. He puts his hat up on the hat stand. The hat stand breaks. Uh, he has he's various little things that we're supposed to be noticing. He's making coffee. He puts that shitty powdered non-dairy yeah, creamer and it mix. clumps up. The fluorescent lights are gross and disgusting. Um, he's just depressed. He's blinking all the time because it's gross in there. But all you can hear is Dan Hedaya's character, Mr. Watori, on the phone with someone. Harry. Or screaming <laughs> the following three things. 
I'm not arguing that with you. If I had said that, I would have been wrong. And I know he can get the job, Harry, but can he do the job? <laughs> and he says those in any order he wants, in various uh, iterations and inflections. I'm not arguing that with you! <laughs> Uh, it's fantastic, though. Yeah, it's and it just goes good. on the entire scene that he's in there. He's doing it over and over, and there's enough pauses where you're just like, "Okay, it's over now." Yeah, and then he's right back into it. And then when uh, Tom Hanks's character goes to the doctor and comes back, he's still fucking arguing with this person on the yeah. phone. It's fantastic. It's one of those things like Sideshow Bob stepping on all the rakes that it's like <laughs> it's funny, then it's not funny, and then it's the funniest funny thing you've ever heard in your <laughs> <Yeah>. life. <laughs> It's amazing. It is it is really good. And it's these are like the funhouse mirror taken to the extreme things oh, that yeah. I feel I think most of us feel about like corporate life, like working in a corporate job. Like all of the worst things taken to the kind of nth degree is his job. This whole movie is that. Yes, I feel like everything true. everyone in this movie except for Joseph A. Bank suit retailer and star of this movie tom hanks um everyone's so weird your wife compared it to a wes anderson movie and that she's not wrong yeah it's very like everyone's very eccentric everyone has very specific idiosyncrasies taken to 11 Mm. it's visually it's it's a little bit like that too it's got a very like distinct visual style and very like over the top almost like a play like this the sets it does feel like not a in play. a like, like it's done poorly sort of way but just in right. like an intentional like kind of theatrical it's very sort of conscious way. of all the shots it's doing especially in the beginning in those gross scenes yeah. uh like his his office is very stylized but still like realistic but also like taken it's taken i feel like wes anderson is very unrealistic right it's very symmetrical it's very like candy colored sometimes sure but this is like realistic, but just cranked up to this sort of yeah. level where it's like it still feels familiar, but like almost dreamlike. Right. Um, and especially in the first act, it sort of loses that in the, especially in the, in the second act, in the boat act. Yeah. But especially in this first act, I, one of my favorite transitions that I had sort of forgotten about is that he goes to see his doctor, or not his doctor, but he goes to see another doctor, apparently, in a string of doctors he's seen. And he's sitting in a very, uh, bland uh reception area and he's the only person in the reception area the nurse is sitting just across the room in a very small room probably no bigger than this room that no one else can see but you and me dj and uh <laughs> it's about 50 she speaks by 50. into a microphone and it's like mr banks and he's like yes and she's like dr elliston is ready to see you now where she could easily have just said it yeah. to him right he gets up from this room that's like completely it looks like almost like corkboard you would have in a recording studio right. it's like yeah. obviously like acoustically dead padded mm-hmm. and he opens this white room to this very like looks like a musky sort of english library yeah. where robert stack is sitting like well lit in a your stereotypical yeah, doctor's office like, like uber rich doctor's yeah. office um and of course, uh, Robert Stack's uh, smooth chocolate voice coming to you. Um, it's an amazing transition because you sort of just pan through. So you're still, you can still see the reception area while you're looking into the doctor's office, and yeah. it's a weird juxtaposition. Uh, he 
he does have an amazing voice. I did have, I have that note here. Just like I, I forgot as well. I forgot about Robert Stack's voice, but it immediately transported me back to Rescue Nine One One. That's William Shatner. Shit. Unsolved mysteries. Unsolved mysteries. Is That's Robert what it is. Stack. He was it. making you believe in Bigfoot. Yeah. Noah's Ark and child molesters. All uh, three things that don't exist. What? Yeah. You're gonna have to take that up with Bobby Stack. Bob Stack. He's dead. Well, is he killed by a child molester? It. Wait. Was he? Oh. <laughs> no. Um, before that, though, backing up just a little bit, we do have our Meg Ryan number one. Meg Ryan mm. the first. Uh, her first appearance as an actress uh, playing this character. Was, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's, there are three different characters. Um, this is Dee Dee, who works in the office with him. She's a sort of, yes. sort of portrayed as like a mousy, I don't know if she's... She's not a secretary. I don't she's think she's a secretary. She's just in, working in the office in the that office. she that he works in. She has. Uh, she's very idiosyncratic. She yes. um, she sits in a way. She sits up to the very edge of her desk, and she sort of slouches in her chair so that almost like her chest is under her desk, and her hands are resting on top of her typewriter. Mm. It's very weird. I didn't notice that. Uh, that makes sense. Well, during the latter scene, when she, when he's actually addressing her, she's sort of moving around more, right. uh, and she does get up later on. But I mean, when she's actually at her typewriter or word processor or whatever she's at, she is slouched in her seat so much that she, her like head is even with the typewriter, and she's sort of sitting and typing like that. Right. I th- I think this is my uh, favorite of the three Meg Ryan characters, even though it's not the one that works out, you know, as far right. as uh, being a love interest of. Um, Joe Banks. But. Well, the third one is very much just like, not that it's not a character, but it's standard Meg Ryan. She's not putting on an affect right. of a voice and like a wig yeah. and all this stuff. But she does um, the first one really well. And she's kind yes. of funny and she's kind of like, has a very wide range of emotions because mm-hmm. at first she's like, just kind of like, she seems sick. Like she's got a tissue and she's always sniffing and yeah. then she's like, but then by the end when uh, um, Joe starts to he breaks out of his funk and quits the job, which we'll get to later. Um, she's very animated and they have a, go on a date and all this stuff. And so she gets to kind of explore a wider range of weirdness. And she's got this kind of mousy New York vibe to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and we'll talk about the second one later on. But the the third one is like Meg Ryan in movies. <laughs> Saying sentences. Yeah. Moving around. We also get the I'm losing my soul. The first time he said, I guess he kind of makes some other references to that too, but that's the first time when he, his shoe is coming apart. Do mm-hmm. you get it? I, you know, I, I did pick up on it. Damon, uh, soul is, uh, <laughs> it can mean several things. Uh, uh... it can mean, okay. Anyway. <laughs> I, uh, I do want to say though, I mean, Tom Hanks is a charm machine. Don't get me wrong. He's he's charming in this as well. But that date he goes on, uh, as he quits his job, he asks D.D. out on a date. They go on a date. And, uh, of course, he's super excited because he's like, he knows he's going to die. And he finally quit his job. So he's excited to go on this uh, new part of his life. But he goes on this date with D.D. And he's just saying, it just sounds like a nightmare date from hell. <laughs> written from the perspective of the guy causing the date to be a nightmare date from hell. He's just like, oh... Oh, my eyes have been open. I am so woke. I am literally a woke bay. Listen to me. I have so many interesting things to say. Uh, and 
Of course, because this is written by a man, Dee Dee's response is, oh my god, you are so interesting! Tell me everything about what you're, <laughs> the epiphanies you're going on right now. Um, and it's a little bit like, yeah. Luckily that phase lasts only a little bit. Yeah. But it was... He gets over himself pretty quickly. It just reminded me, I follow uh, various accounts on social medias <laughs> that talk about how exhausting men can be. As and one is wants to be. <laughs> I'm remi- I was reminded of uh, by Felipe, which is one of the accounts I follow, which talks about how men on dating sites are the worst. And that's what Tom Hanks sounded like. Yeah. We've got a good visual gag that I have to reference, which is the dandruff on his boss's shoulder. So when he goes to quit, we get a closer look at the boss than we ever had before. Maybe he had it in the first scene, but I just didn't see it. But he has this, like, just like a mountain of dandruff <laughs> on his shoulder, which at one point Tom Hanks puts his arm around his shoulder and brushes it off, which is good. Which is good. That's polite. That's good. Uh, we also get a reference to how much Tom Hanks makes in this job, which I did a little research. So he says $300 a week I've been working here, which is not good. But in 1990, so... Uh, uh, this That's $1,200 a, a month. It's, uh, it'd be $586.50 a week now in today's dollars. So take that. It's not. It's still not. It's still not. It's still not great for a... It's still not great, especially yeah. living in Maybe Staten Island. Fresh out of college, you know, yeah. and living in a college town even. But. I, one, of, one of the things I did notice in this movie is that, I mean, as he goes on his adventures, he meets, I mean, he's he goes yeah. on a date with Dee Dee. He meets Lloyd Bridges. Yes, he, he's insane, like everyone else's. <laughs> oh, well, he meets Robert Stack. Then he meets Lloyd Bridges. Then he meets Ossie Davis. Then he yeah. meets uh, his limo Meg driver, Ryan. Who's the uh, magical African-American, I'll say. That's true. Of this. <laughs> He does have that quality a little bit. Um, he also meets Carol Kane briefly. and She's the hairdresser, yeah. She's not that insane. All she does is say Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> uh, but, and then finally he meets Meg Ryan the third. Um, well, after meeting Meg Ryan the second. But he finally meets Meg Ryan the third. And she's the only one who sticks around. But almost every one of these characters that he meets, aside from Meg Ryan the third, he sort of has one scene with and then moves on from. Yeah. It's a very unique, I feel like a very unique thing in a movie where they just pop in, they give him some sort of advice, and they pop away. And it's, I can't tell if I liked it or didn't like it. It's kind of There's like, part of it where I'm like, I want Ossie Davis to kind of stick around or at right. least like have a goodbye scene at the right. end. Come back Or in. have some sort of reunion with these characters. Like, especially Meg Ryan, she creates two characters that just get tossed off and never seen again yeah. after the first act. Um it's almost it's like very a, weird. It's almost I can't like, think of one other movie that does that. It's almost like a road trip movie. You know what I mean? Like where you kind of are passing through so that a lot of those characters don't come back around necessarily. Right. But there has to be some symbology. But also in a road trip movie. There has to be some symbolism in the fact that Meg Ryan plays three characters. But I don't know what it is. She literally plays, I mean, aside from Amanda Plummer, who has a brief, like, almost non-role as the first mate of the boat that goes down. Yeah. She plays every woman in this movie. Yeah. Every speaking woman in this movie. Which, it, which probably does have some symbolism. But I'm scared it might be some sexist symbolism. How so? We're like all women are the same, or mm. I'm looking for the perfect woman, and look here, she's coming across my path three times. I don't know. It just seemed like yeah. you literally couldn't think of any other women 
there were no other women you wanted to give parts to. It didn't, it didn't, I guess it didn't coalesce to like, ah, of course, Meg right. Ryan. It didn't make any sense to me in the end, except the only thing I could think of was like, you think all women are the same or yeah. that, I don't know, some sort of fatalistic idea that he was meant to be with this woman. I'm guessing it's more But they're that. so different right. that it doesn't come off that way. Like, she does such a good job of creating three characters that it, it doesn't, doesn't work in that vein. So that's why it made me lean towards, like, is this sort of a sexist thing? Right. And they they barely connect it because the two, Meg Ryan the second, Meg Ryan Jr., and Meg Ryan the third, Trey, um, they... <laughs> She goes by Trey. She doesn't want to know everyone to know she comes from a dynasty. They're half sisters, and they yes. make reference to that. And he's like, "You're half sisters because they're obviously the same person." <laughs> but uh, they don't. It doesn't really explain Dee Dee, the first right person. So it's like, why are these two connected? But this one isn't. And then, and then I, my best guess is that it's the the latter thing that you said, and that they're saying that he's meant to be with this woman. And so life is sort of trying to, but it didn't really make any sense. I didn't get it. Especially with Meg Ryan, the second's character, Angelica, Angelica. I liked her character sort of, but she's a flipperty gibbet. She is a flipperty gibbet, but I don't know if she really added that much to the plot. She just seemed yeah. like it almost seemed like they were showing off. Like we got her to play a third character too. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't hire a second woman. Fuck you, casting. I think that they used her for the second character simply just to display that incredible Southern California accent that she did. (laughs) It borders on Irish sometimes. I think Meg Ryan's a wonderful actress. She's in a lot of great films. She's good. Of course, she's beautiful, which is irrelevant to her acting uh, (laughs) prowess. But she... Is terrible in that second accent. She sounds like Richard Nixon. <laughs> she sounds like, like Richard Nixon at times, and she also sounds like an Irish woman. Um, LA is not worse. <laughs> she's doing like the ill thing from. Uh, from See what Jimmy I liked Fallon? about it. I, what I liked about it is that it does. It could have been. I didn't think it like crossed over to that like Valley Girl voice. Like it seemed like a play on the Valley Girl right. voice. Like it wasn't fully that voice. So it gave me a like a little hope that it was something else. I mean, there is that moment where she's in the car with him and she's like, isn't LA beautiful? It stinks, but it's beautiful. And that's the only time she like reaches into this guttural voice. And I wish she had gone into it a little bit more where she would sort of have this effervescent voice and sort of dig into this (laughs) real streetwise voice. But she never did that again. Yeah. Um, But I guess, accent aside, I like that character. Yes. She's very, like, shallow. Mm -hmm. She has, she does artwork. She lives off her dad, Lloyd Bridges. Right. She does this artwork, which is very Lichtenstein-heavy art-style artwork. And she, um, she writes really shitty poetry. Did you write down that shitty poem? I didn't. I had two chances, because she repeats it. tresses of his hair graze the emptiness of my hands would you like to hear it again <laughs> he's like waiting for the next line and she's just like, it's it? over already he's like okay i don't know i liked your character i think the accent could have maybe used a little bit more work but i like the character itself right yeah I, I agree with that i think i'm guessing that but i also i was like why did why was she here for you know five minutes of screen time and then he he doesn't 
like he doesn't seem to bond with her in any real way. Yeah. Unlike he did with Dee Dee. Like he right. had this like crush on her apparently at work. They go on a date that goes well. And then he mentions that he's got a brain cloud and he's dying and she gets scared and she leaves. And then he has a very hit or miss sort of, not really a date, but like a dinner with uh, Angelica. And she offers to come up stairs with him once and again that that i guess played into the idea that it was kind of sexist where it was like all these women are falling for tom hanks right um i mean i would i mean i'd do them but i mean that's a personal choice i've made um so i guess i didn't i didn't follow what the movie was trying to say with having her in three roles and yeah i didn't either this especially angelica seems like the 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 third wheel as it were yeah Anyone? Third wheel? <laughs> third wheel? She's the third Meg... She's the third Meg Ryan character. Speaking of the third So in Meg a way, it'll take the, the wheel that's third. We then meet Patricia. She's the no-nonsense Meg Ryan. <laughs> 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 she, she's the independently-minded Meg Ryan who hates her dad but and wants hates, his boat. <laughs> but wants his boat. She sails him to... Uh, or is tasked to sail him to what's the name of the Wapani Wu. Wapani Wu. It's uh it's Wapani for <laughs> little island with a big volcano. <laughs> <laughs> and we get your uh your boyfriend Tyler's second favorite thing, which is a fishing montage. Fishing montage which was, which was insane. In a it pretty was, ridiculous what? movie, it's probably the most ridiculous scene. What is it? What's the song that goes to it that they that has nothing to do with fishing? I can't remember. Doctor Oh yeah, MD, that's the one. Doctor, good it, loving. It's a lot of good physical comedy from Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, as you as you fell in love with him. That's pretty much worth the price of admission. That and him dancing on the. Uh, well, the best the part is like he's failing. He's not catching anything as Meg Ryan keeps catching fish after fish after fish, and then he catches something, and then uh, Roseanne Arquette or Patricia Arquette or whoever the Arquette is. No, it's Amanda Plummer. Sorry. She comes over to help him, like, reel in whatever this awesome fish is going to be. And then he keeps almost losing it. It's very yeah. Tom Hanksian. And, like, he can't. I mean, 1980s Tom Hanks, not current Tom Hanks. Um, he's losing his rod. He pulls it back. And then Meg Ryan comes over to help him reel it in. And then he reels in <laughs> a hammerhead shark. And that's a very. And he starts screaming. Ah! <laughs> and then and the... the shark looks like it's screaming, yeah. too. It's like its face is like right there. It's a very shitty puppet. Weird. It was a very like Pee Wee's Playhouse moment of the puppetry. It was very strange, but it was funny. And then their their ship sinks, and then uh, everyone dies. Everyone dies. Their whole crew dies. No need to worry about it. But um, Meg Ryan the third and um, Tom Hanks survive on his luggage, his fancy luggage he bought on his shopping spree, paid for by Lloyd Bridges' character. Yeah, and. We do get Tom Hanks dancing on the luggage. Yeah. Which is nice. He's basically just killing time because Meg Ryan's in a coma and he's giving her tiny cerebral hemorrhages after cerebral hemorrhages. Yeah. He's giving her tiny sips of water to keep her alive. And then he's got a nice little umbrella that he, he has all his things because they're all in the, in the trunks that are watertight, which we learned from the luggage man. Very eccentric luggage man. Uh, May you live to be a thousand years old. Very interesting. From a luggage perspective. <laughs> For a luggage problem. Or oh, yeah. Like uh, but he's just killing time, and he does a little dancing when he gets his radio, his battery operate, operator. Yes, and, uh, but luckily, 
thank you, uh, plot device, he lands on the shores of... Wallahalu. Wapani Woo, as you just said. Wapani Woo. Wapani Woo. We'll just edit that in. And they immediately start playing Havanagila on the (laughs) island instruments. Because we learned in the 1800s, or 1800 years ago, actually, a group of... uh, Roman galleons carrying Jewish slaves <laughs> crash landed and on Wapani Wu, which makes it a very unique culture based on Polynesian, Latin, and uh, Yiddish and Celtic influences. Yeah, and they love orange soda. Sure. And I was kind of torn about this perspective. Like I remembered it being all Jewish, but it wasn't. It was a mixture of Polynesian yeah. and. And Yiddish and all these other things. Um, I was kind of torn about it. Yeah. And it was hard for me to say. Like, it didn't bother me too much, but I'm also a white guy. Right. Yeah, totally. I, I feel the same way where I was like, it's kind of funny. It, it, it is meant it's to so be. It's so ridiculous. Is, exactly. And it's meant to that be That it's ridiculous. hard to be that offended. But then again, once again, white guy. Right. And they're, they're wearing like crushed up soda cans as... as jewelry which is like kind of also sad like if you think about the <laughs> real implications of that is that like sure. either like some soda company like bought well you know, i can't remember that they, i think the the name of the soda was jumbo or do you mean in the context of this universe in the context of this universe i'm thinking of like how that happened how they oh. came to be obsessed with orange soda and it's kind of like if you see like a uh uh, a bird building a nest out of like garbage. You're kind of like, oh. I mean, in one, on one end, life finds a way, but <laughs> in another, in another context, gross. And we are, you know what I mean? It makes you feel like heartsick for. But also, they must trade in some way because they were talking to Lloyd Bridges' character. Right. They have contact with the outside world, um, and they're somehow ordering more orange soda. Yes, they have a lot of it. It seems. Um. I was very confused, but I was still charmed by it. But again, white guy. Yeah. How uh, could you not be charmed by Abe Vigoda? <laughs> but Abe Vigoda's there. Young uh, Nathan Lane is there, which uh, always wins me over. Um, oh, Abe Vigoda. So world weary. He's great in this. He he plays the chief, and he's just like, the whole time he's like, whatever. Like that's his He has my thing. favorite. It does contain my favorite marriage scene in a movie. You want to marry him? You want to marry her? There, yeah, you're married. You're married. <laughs> I'm uh, which I down. associate. I realized. <laughs> I realize I associate it with spaceballs. I always think uh, that's the the short short version of the marriage at the end of Spaceballs, but it's not. It's actually from Joe versus the volcano. Right. And every time I watch Spaceballs, catching it on TBS as it plays twenty four hours a day, <laughs> um, I always I'm like, whoa, that's funny. Is this a different edit than I'm used to? And then I have to. My brain goes, it's Joe versus the volcano. You idiot. Similar era. Hmm. Um, they go through, uh, Hanks and Meg Ryan go through contrasting primping, like getting them ready for Joe's yes. sacrifice. He's getting, it reminded like, me of Wizard of Oz, which of course IMDb trivia tells me is a great influence for this movie. <laughs> um, but in that scene where they get ready to, before they meet the wizard and they're all getting like the Tin Man gets, uh, you know, brushed and the, the Cowardly Lion gets his mane curled. Uh, it reminded me of that a little bit. But you're looking at me like uh, you've never seen the Wizard of Oz before in your I life. I didn't remember that part. So brush, brush here, brush, brush there, and I something, something, blah, bum, 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 the day away in the merry old land of Oz. I'm a faggot. Is what I'm getting. 
And that's the one Diana Ross sings. <laughs> yes, that's that's the one. Um, yeah, but she's getting like a manicure and pedicure, very gentle. There, it's like it's like oh, like it's very <laughs> yes. nice. And she's smiling the whole time. And then Hank literally has like a squid on his face. <laughs> He's getting beaten by fish at one point. Yeah, we have uh, a really ridiculous bit that happens. They're like having a ceremony, like they're going to have a ceremonial dinner, and then Joe's going to go up a vol- volcano and jump in. And during the ceremonial dinner. The chief says something, and these two guys swing on ropes <laughs> across each other's paths and into gongs. They just slam into gongs. To, they're to full bash bodies. Them. And not only is that funny, but then <laughs> they're carried away on stretchers because they've been knocked out by this. Right. And that's it. There's no context <laughs> There's for that. It was a very Looney Tunes moment. It was a very Looney Tunes moment. It's pretty funny. So, uh,. The last thing I have on my notes is the only, I think this is my harshest criticism for the movie, mm-hmm. is that it, and this course kind of goes into everyone like sort of popping in and saying something and then disappearing. Yeah. It goes into how every character is the most eccentric version of that character that could possibly right. be, is that it feels like everyone is talking at Tom Hanks right. for a lot of the movie, that Tom Hanks's character itself, especially once he no longer feels sick. Yeah. It's like his character just turns into every man. He goes from like a very specific character to generic character. Yeah. He turns after into like the Tom first, Hanks. Yeah, every after the guy. first act, he's just like, and now I'm just playing that character you know and love from right. everything else. Yeah. Uh, but everyone's just talking at him. Ozzy Davis is just saying things to him, and Tom Hanks's character just sort of changes from scene to scene. So with the scene with Ossie Davis, where he's like, I want to go buy some clothes. And Ossie Davis says, well, what kind of clothes do you want? He's like, oh, I don't know. What kind of clothes should I buy? He's like this sort of like childlike character. But when he's telling off Mr. Watori, he's this very like confident, you know, uh, I finally got my life straightened out character. And then when he's talking to his doctor, Dr. Ellison, he's this like, ah, he's a very obsequious character. He's like, yeah, a brain cloud. Of course I knew it the whole time. Right. Uh, It's, and when he's with Lloyd Bridges, who's very like megalomaniacal and just like, I'm going to give you these gold cards. You're going to do whatever you want. And he's like, whatever. He's this sort of almost like Homer Simpson type character. And it just changes from scene to scene. I feel like you never get a bead on what his character is actually supposed to be like. And that might go to speaking to he is an everyman. But I feel like the movie in those first scenes sets him up as not an everyman. He's a very specific character. Yeah. And it was funny. Like it was very jarring in a later scene when they actually survived the explosion on what Wapani Wu and uh Meg Ryan finally calls him out. I was like, What the hell is a brain cloud? I've never heard of that before in yeah. my life. And he starts to get his uh hypochondria, hypochondria again yeah. and he's like, Oh my god, my throat's closing up. And I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot. He was a hypochondriac at the beginning of this movie. Right, yeah. Um that would probably be my biggest flaw with the movie. Along with possible racism on Wapani Wu. And possible sexism with Meg Ryan's triplet yeah. of characters. What I'll would you say? Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that's a, a, a very solid point about Tom Hanks's character. I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on it as eloquently as you did. Like I, I but there was something there. I was like, I don't understand what his deal is. And I, you, what is he going for? You explained it perfectly. Also, they're totally dead at the end. They're just floating oh, in the ocean. Yeah. 
and it's like a very happy ending. Like they're just going to live their life together, but they're just floating on no, no land anywhere now because there was an island close, mm-hmm. but that island sunk into the sea. As islands do. As islands do. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> do we even need to? Uh, yes. I mean, I guess that did that bother you a lot? No. It it's didn't just, bother me too much because I feel like... They were already fatalistic. It, they had already embraced that, hey, well, let's die together, Romeo and Juliet. Let's and I feel here. like the, the movie like plays up this fairy tale yeah. feeling of just like, who fuck? You f- don't fucking care. Who right. cares? Yeah. They'll end true. up in Florida. It doesn't matter. Um... I do before we leave. We referenced him a little bit, but I do remember that my brother's favorite side character here is the luggage salesman. There are the most ridiculous. Yes, there there are. I do want to actually. Hit we some, did talk about him. He's we. He's incredible. I, I want to hit some quotes. From, sure. From no, all go across. ahead. Uh, and I think these are also uh, listeners. Damon, me. Let's use these. We can use these <laughs> in life. Uh, when uh, Meg Ryan, the first DD, the office uh, character, uh, is kind of talking to, and it goes to what you're talking about, where she's just sort of embracing that he his life is changing, and she's very much like him focused. But she says, "Wow, what a change!" <laughs> but the way she says it is very charming. Yeah, we got Lloyd Bridges' character, who's just like a bucket of of quotes, but. He, he takes, reminds me of Mr. Fish Odor from Bob's Burgers. He's that scene. He should have won all of the Oscars that year just for that scene where he busts into Joe's apartment and then just does a soliloquy <laughs> for the next like ten minutes. Oh yeah, it's very it's pretty long, but I mean it's very good. And Tom Hanks almost says nothing the whole time, maybe a couple lines here and there. But one of the first things he does is he walks across Joe's apartment, slams his cane <laughs> through the wall, <laughs> grabs a tin of peanuts <laughs> tears the lid off dumps them up, like straight comple- down like completely upside over. down and then just grabs a handful and eats them presumably like your dad shaking them in his palm and then shooting them out shooting them out of the the uh, hole you, between your thumb and your index exactly finger. shake them th- shoot them shake them shoot them you make you make a little hand like you're doing a hey how are you guys little little Sing puppet restless yeah and then you just pop a peanut what is it with dads and peanuts? My dad's super popcorn as well. Like, oh, you mean just nuts in general? Yeah, I like I I like nuts. Well, fine. My, I mean, I, I associate it with. And let me say this: I'm getting to the age where I'm like, yeah, peanuts. If I don't have breakfast and I get to work, yeah. I will stop by the vending machine and get peanuts. I have nothing against peanuts. Well, who does? Yeah, I, I mean, just... aside from those kids with those allergies. Well, yeah. Oh yeah, we should give it a warning at the beginning of this podcast. We mentioned peanuts. Um, he also, in that scene, says something about, you'll twice traverse the volcano. <laughs> or, so, not the volcano. So, uh, apparently, before this drudgery, which is a little good, bit of good backstory for our character, uh, Tom Hanks' character was a fireman, and he was a very brave one. And he, there's a story that he saved three different people from a burning building. He got a first one out before it got engulfed in flames, went back in when it was on fire, Picked somebody up, then went back in again, and he said... To get know, a third kit. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of where he, like... Twice traversed the ladder. Yeah, and exactly. I just thought that was a really good quote. Ossie Davis in the back of the car at one point says, What's your situation? Explain your situation. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very good character. He does sort of fall into that magical black man uh, trope, because uh, he's yeah. just there to drive Dole the Rolls wisdom. Royce, and he doles out all these uh, little bon mots and little bits of sartorial wisdom. Mm-hmm. But it's flawlessly done. It's 
as far as the acting acting right. goes. It's very good. Um, the luggage guy, as you mentioned, is the best. He's a lunatic, absolutely deranged lunatic. He asked him early on. He asked him, you know, like, have you put much thought into luggage? And Are you traveling light and or heavy? So he, says no, and he says. It's the central preoccupation of my life. <laughs> it's a quote I'd like to work in. And then he also says what well, the quote we used before, may you live to be a thousand years old, which he says when he purchases a bunch of very expensive yeah. premium luggage that saves his life later. My, my last quote that I have written down is from Meg the second, mm-hmm. um, heir to the Meg Ryan throne. Uh-huh. Um, and she, he explains, I think it's when he's explaining his, what he's going to do mm. about the volcano thing. Is that right? And she says, oh, I have no response to that. She says it twice <laughs> uh, in her scenes. I have no response to that. <laughs> Just good. I like that. I'm going to use that one. I think my brother used that for a while. All right. You ready to go to the verdict? Yeah. Right, let's do it. So before we get to the verdict proper, I do have this is this the finale of our volcano trilogy. I that, call it the volcanology that we just made up. Yeah. Uh, Although this movie did not come out in 1997, it did not. Please let the record show. And you can tell because it was seven years earlier that they drew a lot of influence from Joe Bush's volcano because yeah, Dante's those Peak, movies had volcanoes also. Dante's Peak. Meg Ryan plays the volcano and. Two of the sister mountains in the <laughs> mountain range. She's in that uh, weird Pixar short. She's the female. <laughs> oh, um, the sexy this volcano. Is, and I would say by far the least accurate volcano movie. <laughs> Lauren pointed that I out. Have, that's, a, that's a fair point to make. We, we called Volcano out on it. It's only fair to call out Joe versus yeah. the volcano on it. So I just want to... Volcanoes uh, do not sink into the sea if, if they erupt. That's not... Certainly a, not that they're quickly. Not just, islands aren't just floating like a bath mat on the ocean. They Although, are I actually connected. I did think they were when I was very little. <laughs> Uh, so just figure that into your verdict. What do you say? You're absolutely right. And, uh, let me readjust my scoring points. Luckily it had a surplus of (laughs) points that it could lose a few. This is a great movie. I liked it a lot. There are some flaws to it that are maybe a little dated. Um, but, uh, I like this movie. It's great. It's very charming. Um, it's a perfect Saturday afternoon movie. I feel like. It's like, it's a movie where, uh, didn't you say that about, <laughs> what? Last, oh, I think volcano. I said that about Dante's peak, Dante's peak. <laughs> but that's more of an ironic watch where this is like, I'm <laughs> earnestly watching it. Cause yeah. I actually am enjoying it myself. Whereas when I watched Dante's peak, I'm like, why did I hate this movie again? And I'm like, Oh yeah. I remember the fucking grandmother. I gotta um, get my sourdough started. <laughs> uh, I, um, no, this is a very charming movie. I love it. Yeah. It's great. Agreed. Your inner child is not an idiot. This movie's great. This is way better than I expected. I thought it was more of a uh, rom-com, like in that ilk. I mean, it is, I guess, technically, but it's like, 
it's way weirder than any, like it's, it's like, like we mentioned, it's more of on the Wes Anderson side of like quirky. All the characters are really quirky. I, I mentioned when we were talking about the side characters, uh, when we were watching the movie that it's like almost like a Coen brothers movie, like how weird everybody is. But it's, to me, it wasn't off putting at all. It was like, I was like, this is fun. It does. Right. I agree that it has some, has some flaws. I think the and, movie starts out like telling you like, this is not a realistic world. Yeah. Like the first yeah, shot is yeah. this factory that's overlooking Manhattan. It's yeah. like, Oh, this doesn't exist. I'm in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And when he starts to feel better, like all of a sudden New York is brighter and has all these, they show the New York skyline and it's multicolored in a way yeah. that it's never been. And, uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think? Why don't you uh, call us? 615-576-0525. Leave us a message. We'll play it on the program. Um, oh, also-, also correct us about this. Or you don't have to correct us, but I mean, talk to us about uh, Pacific Island uh, culture. Is Joe versus the Volcano racist? Yeah. I feel like it is. Tell us what you think. Uh, tell us why we're wrong. Tell us mostly why Damon's wrong. Thank uh, you. I have a very fragile ego, so if you could leave me out of it. <laughs> Classic um, straight white guy, just can't take the criticism. Just tell me how great I am and I'll move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also email but us. But also try and date you and not leave you alone. <laughs> you can also email us at you're in a child as an idiot at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at YICIAI. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, we're probably on some other stuff. I don't know. Snapchat, we're on Tumblr, we're on Grinder, we're on Tinder. If you if you were really like the podcast We're on J Date. <laughs> if you really like the podcast and you want to help us out, you could leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, that would be awesome. We definitely want to thank our patrons. Good save. Including Jeremy Pallon, who left us a message <laughs> and it's too long to play, but Jeremy mentioned that uh, he listens to uh, our episodes at one and a half speed and Damon sounds like a chipmunk. And I sound <laughs> I sound normal speed, which means I normally speak like a brain damaged person. So, <laughs> cool. Also, Joshua Nicholson, Karen Curd, Larissa Maestro, Dan McIntyre, Ghost in the Burbs, Jonathan Day. Thank you guys so much. If you and be, the rest, if you want to be no a patron like like them, you can join us at patreon.com slash your channel's an idiot. We'll see you next time. 16 tons and what do you get? Another day over and deeper in that. Does that sound like a fucking chipmunk, Jeremy? Does that sound like a fucking chipmunk? 16 tons and what do you get? Harmonize. Good. Thank you. Harmonize.